Welcome back to Board as Hell. Once again, I'm Jim, and joined as always by Kai, as per usual. <laughs> I know that I can't do an episode without everybody's favorite British accent with me, so. Yeah, I'm here for ASMR purposes. <laughs> and, and conversational. I hope. Anyway, so right off the top, as always, I want to remind everybody that you can listen to the Board of Cellcast on Anchor.fm, as well as a whole slew of other podcast sites. I'm not going to name them all out anymore because there's over 20 and I'm just not doing it. Um, but you can find us just about anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Also, we have a new Twitter for the show. It is B-A-H-W-Jim-and-Kai, K-A-I, all one word. That's our new Twitter handle. Um, I will be starting to tweet out for it, and I will be pimping it out, and I'm sure at some point Kyle will also put it to the Instagram, too. Yep, definitely. So, and now for today's show, what I was having the idea and Ty was on board with is we're going to discuss passion. And I don't mean, like, romantic passion. Um, oh, I'm sure everyone wants to hear us talk about sex. <laughs> maybe you. <laughs> I, I don't I, of the two of us. I don't think the three hundred pound guy is going to be the one that they're worried about hearing about from. <laughs> um, but no, we're talking like actual passions, like things that drive you and interest you and stuff like that. Like for a, a major one, I know for Kai is mostly just uh, mental health related issues and studies and such like that. Yeah, definitely. Psychology is one of my biggest the biggest things I'm into. I spend my time yeah. looking at. Yep, and I have quite a few diverse interests, but like one of my ones that not as many people know is that I'm a giant plane nerd and ship nerd. I will literally watch documentaries about them all damn day. But the the reason why I wanted to discuss it is because people don't realize that Passions are an important thing of your life because you're not going to fulfill yourself without having something that you can invest in that gives you a reward of some sort, whether it be knowledge, feedback, uh, communication, participation, whatever. And I mean, I have things like that are very solitary because I'll do smoking of meats. And by smoking, I mean barbecue, not grilling, barbecue. Um which even though it's a very solitary activity usually, because you're usually just you and the smoker and the meat going for hours, I like the reward of when it's all done, you see the hard work. And I'm assuming that's the same as with anybody in the culinary professions. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that as someone that bakes a lot. It's that once you've assembled your cake and it looks beautiful and it's all frosted and nice, you kind of like get that sigh of relief of, Pure satisfaction. Yeah, the only baking I do involves medical marijuana, so. Um, <laughs> which I won't say is a passion, but it sure as hell is a, a fun medication. Um, we know Kai doesn't have that experience as far as the medical aspect of it, because that is very illegal in the UK. Yeah, it's... It's looking up like a possibility in the future, but not right now. It, it's one of the three things that some parts of America have moved faster on. Yeah, surprisingly. 
It's... Yeah, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> I mean, we're we're a country full of people that were thrown out by the Brits for being too prude. <laughs> but uh, going back into that too, another one of my other big passions, which you can ask Kai or most of the people who know me that I don't shut up about, is doing fireworks too. And it's I've, I'm sure it's just same type of performer high that everybody else gets when they're doing something in the performance nature. Because even though I'm not doing the performance directly, like I'm not out there waving my arms around and stuff, I am still setting up things. I am still putting on the show. I'm triggering all the shots and everything else. So, and just to hear the crowd reaction and feedback is always the part that gets gets you pumped. Just like I've heard from every stage performer. The feedback of the crowd is what keeps you driven. Yeah, and, and knowing you're providing a service that is bringing a level of joy and sort of wonder, especially if if it's um it's so beneficial for sort of young kids, like they get so much enjoyment out of that that you can't ever mm-hmm. fully comprehend. I guess. Usually, the funny part is though, is the adults are more excited than the kids. <laughs> Because the adults know more what goes into it. Yeah, see, I've never been to a fireworks display, so I probably would be a big kid as well. Yeah. See, and it's funny because I don't watch fireworks unless I'm shooting them. Yeah. Because I've been doing it for over a decade. So at this point, it's just more routine, which is a good and bad thing at the same time because routine can also lead you to be apathetic or... uh, careless but i'm very very strictly careful about anything like that so because i understand that what i'm doing could kill people yeah and it it is something that you can't just take lightly and be carefree with but i think that's also part of what adds to it too is the fact that if it's not handled correctly and you're not extremely careful and extremely knowledgeable about what you're doing then things can go very bad very quick I can relate to that in the sense of um, for quite some time on and off with my passion for psychology and understanding mental health um, I'd done um, a a small set of time where I volunteered for an online help site and it's kind of that that wariness of knowing how much power is in your hands of I could very easily do something that that could hurt someone and mm-hmm. it's sort of like with power comes great responsibility okay peter parker <laughs> i should say uncle ben but um, it's, it's true like it, it was such a rewarding thing that we <clears throat> do. i honestly plus, plus we also know about your deep-seated passion for recording porn but the porn that you record is only insects fucking <laughs> Not even going to acknowledge that. <laughs> but honestly, one of the most rewarding times of my life was was helping out people. Um, it was so. If anyone was suicidal or um, was in any immediate danger to anyone or themselves, we did have to refer them on to their local like suicide prevention or helpline service to call. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of people in the grey area that you don't really realise 
need someone to speak to until you're the person mm-hmm. on the other end of the computer having a chat with them. Yeah. So, for example, I got really close to a girl that um, she first started talking to me when she just found out that her ex-girlfriend had been cheating on her longer than she'd expected. And mm-hmm. it kind of like her whole backstory behind this very peculiar relationship Mm. um it was just fascinating because the more and more i talked to her the more and more information i learned and it was like watching a drama like every time we spoke and then there'd be people that only speak to the one time and then they'd they'd feel helped and they would go on as they were but once guy that had a fetish for stuffed toys that he just felt absolutely humiliated by <clears throat> it, it just people from very different walks of lives all mm-hmm. sitting in a chat room chatting to me yeah and the I wouldn't call it an adrenaline rush what you get from helping someone it's a sense of fulfillment. I only know because I've yeah. been in there too. And it gives you a sense of self, like you you understand the person you are because you see the the good you do in the world. Yeah. And and that's why I've always wanted to go on to do counselling or some mm. form of helping others. At one point I really wanted to be a teacher as well and my grades kind of dictated that that wasn't going to happen. But, yeah, I I find that psychology has got that that similar drive of sort of understanding people to a point that kind of gives you validation because you can help them better and and you be what they need in that moment. It's genuinely so so giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, I'm uh, the same as far as, like, the passion for people because I like meeting people too, because I'm going to equate this as best as I can to like a book. Every time you meet somebody, you've uncovered a new book and you're slowly turning the pages to discover what, what's made up them and where they came from and basically what their uh, storyline is going down. And it's like a book unfolding in real time too, after a certain point, once you get all the backstory. Yeah. Yeah, I completely relate to that. And also is um, once you build up that level of trust with someone, because I'm very similar with, like, I enjoy meeting new people, finding interesting stories, learning about them. And I love that feeling of when someone says, like, oh, I I would never have told this to anyone else or I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. felt this open talking to someone else because it's so beneficial for them but it also makes you feel good that you can invoke that in someone you can have that level of trust with someone and and show that level of empathy yeah like when you and i as uh, in case people couldn't guess from us starting a whole damn podcast together essentially um you and i have always been relatively natural as far as talking to each other because we both have similar thought processes we both have similar beliefs and such 
Although one of us has a better accent than the other, but that's just due to uh, <laughs> to uh, I'm sure birthplace. At some point, we will get a fan that is obsessed with your accent, and then you're not going to be have a heavy to... one. That's the problem. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. I don't think I have a heavy accent at times. Okay, let's hear you say a hard R sound in one of your words then, without having to think about it. Give me a word, and then... How about water? Water. <laughs> water? <laughs> There's an R in that word. <laughs> yeah, well... I'm linguistics too... is also one of my passions, too. I I find linguistics thoroughly fascinating for someone that can barely speak English. Yeah, and you fuckers invented it. We made it better, but you invented it. Oh, I, you know I could debate that with some of the way, ways you pronounce things. Oh, I know. and I, Sometimes I do it on purpose, but remember, if it wasn't for America, y'all wouldn't have the words like YOLO. I mean, what the hell would we do without that gold mine? I would give anything for YOLO to have never existed. <laughs> I, I would say selfie too, but that's an Australian phrase that caught on worldwide. So for our 1%, no, 3% Australian audience that we have, that one was for you, giving you guys proper credit for the one word you've invented that everybody else took. <laughs> See, Britain didn't invent as many words either. They stole mostly German and just converted it, but then again, they do have a German, German queen. Mm. And I'm not going to get political. We're not going to discuss the, uh, the orange uh, tiny-handed jackass over there right now. I, yeah, the, um, I nearly went to the protest in London today, and I just didn't yeah. have the funds to get there without being like super broke. So yeah. couldn't go, but I really wanted to go so bad. Yeah, one of our also, uh, I know one of our shared passions too is complaining about our governments. Yeah, and that is another one of my big passions is um, looking at sort of like current day, very topical American politics. I've always very much been into that. And I think it's because when I started to get into YouTube, it was sort of very early era Shane Dawson. So a lot of the people yeah. I was watching were American. So I knew America. Fuck yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I knew a lot of the sort of typical things about America that a British person wouldn't typically know. Yeah. And so then with all the political news like as and when elections come would slowly work mm. its way into the YouTube content I was watching. I started slowly watching more people that done like political comedy sort of yeah. talk shows so <clears throat> DeFranco yeah now I watch a lot of uh, John Oliver on YouTube a lot of the old yeah. John Stewart clips which I am absolutely in love with that man and I don't know why yeah. I watch like all of this I watch a lot of old news like early 2000s yeah, I, I, I remember when John Stewart had his John Stewart show on MTV back in the early 90s I I wish I had discovered John Stewart a lot earlier, because yeah, I find his stuff fascinating. But yeah, I find that I watch a lot of uh, early noughties 
polit- American politics, like yeah. discussions and like news segments and stuff. Even though like the stories are long gone and they're no longer an issue, my brain finds it so because <coughs> I think I like sort of politics that is close enough to relate to how it gets to now and Mm -hmm. is far away enough so that I kind of can get the whole context of the situation. Yeah. Well, it's like that old phrase. What's the old phrase? Um, If you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. Yeah. So... Although one thing I do have to I have to say because I know most of the world is better involved and better knowledgeable about American news and politics than the most Americans are. Mm. But I have to say I finally understood why you guys like watching our slow motion train wreck. Um, after watching everything since uh, the Brexit stuff happened in the UK. Yeah. And then we won't go into the fact that a few months later we said here hold our beer and did something worse, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, just with that, it's been very interesting because I'm also a news f- news fiend too, and as well as like um, current events, things like that too. Yeah. Like I check my news feed on my phone probably at least six times a day. Plus, I watch YouTube. Plus, probably right after we're done recording this, for to break the the little bit of a uh, fourth wall here, so to speak. Uh, we're recording this on the fourth, which is the day when it's going to post for June fourth. And it's about 5.30 Eastern U.S. time here right now. And probably as soon as we're done recording, I'll be watching DeFranco, so. Yep, I saw the notification as we started recording, and I was like, what even is that? I'm a bit, yep. I'm a bit behind. I'm a couple of days behind. How dare you? <laughs> I know. See, I'm very bad. If I don't stay up with my YouTube videos, I'll just never watch the ones I missed. Yeah, I go through trends where I'll watch a certain set for YouTubers. A YouTube is another mm. big one of my things I'm into. Because yeah. I grew up with it, essentially. Well, I went through my adolescence with it. As I um, pull out my cane and my old man back brace and everything. <laughs> and um, it kind of shaped how I view content and how I want to make my own content. And mm-hmm. honestly, every time I try to open my subscription page on YouTube to see how many people I'm subscribed to, it crashes because I'm subscribed to that many YouTubers. I have a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, which part? No, but uh, see, the funny part is for me is you're talking about that and I haven't I actually can still recall the time before YouTube much less internet I can't (laughs) I wish I could I can very vaguely remember dial up and I mean vaguely Yeah. (laughs) yeah no I fully remember all that I remember when my uh, my computer usage when I was a little kid was yeah. using an old I- IBM PC with DOS, which um, I've been a giant computer nerd ever since then. Yeah. But 
I still remember that. And we had a 14-4 baud modem, but there was really literally nothing to go onto, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can go. But, uh, yeah, and you just saying YouTube since you were a kid just... It's like a <laughs> nut punch to somebody like me because I remember... <laughs> I have my first email address that's older than probably a portion of our audience because I've had that email address 22 years now. Jesus, that's nearly as old as me. Yeah, I got that email address in spring of 97 and I made it at my high school library when I was in sophomore year, so 10th grade. God. <laughs> and... I don't know why this reminded me of um so my first proper email address was so ridiculous. So basically in my final year of primary school there was this like stupid inside joke between um and me and a couple of friends. And yeah. so I made my first email address like an uh sort of a lengthened out version of this inside joke mm. and I always look back at it and think it's so cringy but yeah was... yeah I remember come to think of it I remember when we were on dial up at school just then you could only go to the library to use it yeah I'd, I, I don't think we ever had that but then we didn't have many computers in our, in our primary. Yeah. See, so yeah, in the school, I've we've been using computers since I was in elementary school, although they originally started with uh, Apple IIs with good old uh, um, Oregon Trail. And then they got IBM PCs, then they got Macs, and then they just were all over the place with what they would get. All the way up to the shitty Dells that everybody buys now because they're shitty and cheap. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, and I've always, also ever since all that, I've been very, very technologically uh, intrigued. Like, the new technologies that are coming out, the advances that we've made. Because if you guys recall, even though I'm going way back more older than most of us, I know especially Kai... <laughs> When I was a kid in the early 80s, there weren't even cell phones or beepers yet, really. Those all came out into mainstream, other than not, aside from just doctors using them, around when I was 9 or 10. Gosh. And I remember getting my first beeper when I was like 14. And that was the old school beepers, the ones that just were numbers, where you had to learn beeper code. See, because they didn't have alphanumeric yet. Say something that's going to make you feel old. There are two things that I don't properly understand technology-wise. Mm -hmm. First one's pages, and the, sex one, the second one is um, a fax machine. I don't yeah. get that. And the funny part is, is I had a beeper for probably five years before I upgraded to a cell. And, and even then, that cell was one of the old Nokia um, phones that everybody always makes the joke about them being made out of Nokinium. Yeah. And they'll break the concrete if you drop them on the ground. <laughs> I had one of those phones. I, I, 
and I still have a printer that does faxing because occasionally here in the States, we're still so far behind that most medical places need you to fax things instead of emailing or whatnot. I, I don't understand. Like, it's more pages. I kind mm-hmm. of understand fax a bit more, but I don't understand yeah. the of a pager. Like, Just to let people know that you, you were needed while you were gone, while you weren't by your house phone. Because remember, there weren't phones everywhere. Yeah. There were pay phones and all that. but And that's why people also came out with the codes, too. So, like, if I texted you, like, uh, I'm using American format numbers here because that's what I grew up with. <laughs> and because all of you Europeans have extra numbers that don't make sense. Um, but if I paged you with my number saying 00000000, and then mm. I hit 911 after it. That means call me immediately. There's an emergency or something important. If I put 411, I just wanted to tell you some information. It's not an urgent thing, but get back to me as soon as you can. Yeah. And things like that. And the worst part of it was is because you never knew if they were calling from, if they were paging you from their house phone or cell phone. I mean, um, cell phone, yeah. Or a pay phone or somebody else's house. You'd be yeah. calling and not know who the hell it was unless you had a code with that person of who it is. Okay. Like I had one friend who every time they sent a, te- a page, even though they would put the other coding in there, they would always mm. put a 34 after everything because then they knew that I knew if I saw 34 who it was. Okay. Okay. I got that. You, you know, back in the Stone Ages. <laughs> now the only times you, well, in, at least in America, I don't know how true it is in the UK or Europe as a whole, but at least in America, the only times you ever really see a payphone now is either the payphone's 30 years old. Or yeah. it's in a place that has really crappy cell signal. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I think I took a picture last year when I was at one place. Um, when I took a picture of the payphone there and told you, this is how bad my cell signal is, that there's one of these 30 feet from me. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I think that they're more there for aesthetic now. <laughs> or because they just well, can't be to remove it. You know what happened to all the payphones in the city, in New York City, right? No. Almost all of them are gone now, and some of them were originally converted over to Wi-Fi hotspots where you could get public internet. Oh, yeah. But they had they had to stop the program because there were homeless people watching porn on their phones or tablets out in the middle of the street. <laughs> so they ended up having to shut down the program. Can't blame them for trying. <laughs> Hey, if you're homeless, if you're homeless, your bedroom is everywhere. <laughs> oh man, trust me, I've seen some very interesting things from the homeless in New York City. They do not give a fuck. They are true New Yorkers. I've literally seen a homeless guy just squat in the middle of the sidewalk and take a dump when people were passing him, and nobody batted an eye. <laughs> they just walked around him. God. Well, the I, the funny thing about it is, uh, people in the city don't that think about New York City. Just think about like the old uh, old scenes of people having issues or walking into a dark alley and stuff like that. Mm. And there's literally only about six or seven public alleys in all of New York City that you can access like that. Almost every time you see them filming in New York City and they're in an alley, it's the same fucking alley every time. 
I think it's in Brooklyn. Because there's not many alleys, because alleys are wasted space. In New York, they don't waste space for anything. <laughs> Except on the sidewalks with the trash mounds. But anyway, going back to the original discussion there. <laughs> um, me doing a tangent? That's unheard of. Life um, <laughs> as bad as each other. Uh, oh yeah but you'll slightly steer off the course I'll grab the wheel and jerk that fucker <laughs> you're like oh look at that I said oh yeah look at it let's go <laughs> moving swiftly on so <laughs> oh, I got to um, cross a a huge sort of passionate subject that led to something being on my bucket list off recently um so coming in sex porn you've been doing that for years <laughs> um i read her time and try to read all i can mm-hmm. uh i it takes me like a year to get for a book because i never pick up books i, I yes, for almost two years interest. i've been trying to get you to read a certain book yep i'm Still, like, maybe a fifth of a way through a book I started about three months ago. It's just because I I will only read if I'm traveling somewhere or if I'm, like, sitting on a bench in a park, which sounds super cliche. But um, I don't really read at home. I'll read when I'm going somewhere. Yeah, I read e-books and stuff if I'm out. Um, But... One of my favourite authors is John Ronson, and I finally got a chance to see him live, which was on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Him and a couple of other authors, one of which I might be able to see soon, possibly, because they're doing a book tour as well. Mm-hmm. But that is like his books, like his level of passion and his way he approaches subjects is very much like how I think and how I perceive the world. So I like books of that sort of narrative. I don't like things that are like escapism. I, I like to to read a book that's going to show me people being people. <coughs> yeah, you're more of a non-fiction than fantasy person. Definitely. I, I like books that are more like a, a beautiful piece of journalism. How generous. We, we know that we know that's the case because I've only been on you for what a year and nine months to finally read Ready Player One. I know it's just I used to read a lot of fantasy. Uh, what basically the story of how I started like reading properly and like getting into reading was mm-hmm. um, for for years and years and years. Uh, it was until I was about thirteen, fourteen. Um, I was not <coughs> not illiterate, but close to it. I I had really bad reading and writing skills, mm-hmm. and they put me into like a a reading club to get my reading skills up because I never read books and I was never really encouraged in primary school. I, I had a really rough mm-hmm. primary school experience, so um. They tested me to see what my reading level was at, and it was a couple of years younger than what it should be. Yeah. So they were quite worried about me. And mm. then Twilight came out, the movie, 
And Doc, sparkly vampires. This is where I lose all credibility as a human being. But no, only if you followed it up with Fifty Shades. It has a good moral. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with the movie. I became a huge Twilight fan, which I cringe at so much now. I'm not that person. Try the Twihard. <laughs> I usually okay. Say- hold on. I have to. I have to take a side sidetrack here for a second then. Okay. just because i know everybody's gonna wonder team edward or team, J- team jacob team jacob <laughs> <laughs> so I... you heard it here kai wants to bang taylor lautner oh cool. um, he's gorgeous who wouldn't oh come on i thought you would be i thought you'd be in uh for robert the batman pattinson i as a person i used to adore robert pattinson yeah so much and it's mainly I got into it because I there was someone I really wanted to be like that was super into Twilight so I was like mm-hmm. fascinated by it all and then like used it as an excuse to get to know this person better and be better friends with them yeah. and then my mum said I won't buy you the DVDs until you've read all the books yeah. and that was when I started reading and I I think I read all of them within the week that I mm-hmm. brought them. And one night, I think I stayed up pretty much all night to read through half of New Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a photo lurking about of me, a New Year's Eve party, I think in 2009, with a, with a New Moon t-shirt on. And oh, I, look awful, I look awful in it. But Honestly, like considering how awful of a series it was, it gave me a drive to do something that I wouldn't have otherwise done. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't have learnt to read, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that I would be the person I am right now. I think that my drive to teach myself wouldn't be there. And yeah. I, I find a, my spending my time a lot just going on random tangents, reading different articles, finding out new things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and you and I send memes to each other all the damn time, it, or random articles. And, and not only that, but I, I didn't graduate with many qualifications, but I think I would have graduated with much less if I hadn't have got into reading. Because um, one of my qualifications I did get was English, English literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is part of the reason why you're so into the theatre and everything too, because it's the spoken word. Yeah, and it kind of has this, well, some of it has this sense of reality, and I, I think a lot of the theatre that I am into is either based on a true story or kind of mm-hmm. is a tale of humanity in some extent. Yeah. Why See, I don't that's why I actually enjoyed the Hunger Games books for that purpose. Yeah. Because it was a pretty freaking in-your-face example of an examination of humanity in general. Mm. And I know I just sounded so hipsterish when I said that, but that's the only <laughs> way I could describe it. The funny, the ironic part is that you and I are very different when it came to that, because I've always been a huge reader. Yeah. I'm a huge 
knowledge nerd and factoid and everything else. I'm a repository of useless knowledge. Yeah. So, and I realized when I was young that reading is the best way to get anything, learn about anything I wanted to. So I remember, mm. I don't know who else will remember these book series, but the Boxcar Children. But um, I had, my mother had bought me all of those when I was a kid, and I used to read them on the toilet. And I could go through like an almost an entire book. I mean, they're not a hell of a lot, hefty a lot of reading. I think there's 60 pages or so on them. But I could bang one of those out in a toilet session. See, one of the ones that after Twilight that really got me into reading was um, Cassandra Clare's novels. Mm -hmm. um, she done a series called uh, The Mortal Instruments. Mm -hmm. And it got made into a TV show that has just recently been cancelled. There was also a movie based on it, but it wasn't yeah. like... Well, both of them aren't like properly like page by page like the book but yeah honestly like i i found the first book at in trying to think how to describe it so it was on a day out at this hmm. uh falconry display place and they had a table full of secondhand books and i think i paid like four pounds fifty for this site book because on the mm. back it had a review by Stephanie Meyer who mm. like that it was so good so I was like oh my god I want to read it because Stephanie Meyer likes it yeah the author of Twilight if anybody doesn't know um I think her name's pretty infamous though um we so, all know uh, the only author that matters is JK Rowling <laughs> and all her long list of characters that she keeps making gay <laughs> But, um, Which, Loki, I'm just, every time it happens, not because of the fact that she's making him gay, that's, I cheer about. It's more of the fact that I know how many people it's going to piss off that she did it, both on both sides, both the pro gay and the anti gay people, just because yeah. she's retconning more shit. Yeah, it, it just sort of feels a bit silly. But they, they, somebody said that they need to get the same type of monitor they have for uh, Elon Musk's tweets now. For J.K. Rowling and just be like, is she about to fuck some people up? <laughs> but yeah, honestly, like, if you like fantasy, um, Mortal Instruments is an amazing series. It it has mm -hmm. really great bisexual representation and it has really good female roles in it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a, a nice representation of fantasy that's sort of not heavy and specifically caring to be scary but is mm -hmm. not sparkly vampires it's kind of this this in between of of too much and too weak yeah i'm trying to think what the last really good series i read was i read um I, could have oh, I can't remember the books. name of the series. I'm having a brain fart. It's the uh, books that were changed into the movies that they couldn't even finish the series on and film because they were starting to do so bad. With um, the hell's her name? Ah, oh, crap! I can't remember. This is called Jim having a brain fart in real time. <laughs> Let me see, I have um, it in my books account. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to get to see uh, two more of, uh, people that have released books that are kind of along the similar narrative of John Robinson. So the first one I'm trying to see is Catelyn Moran, who is a uh, a journalist for The Times, and she's mm. wrote a couple of books that I uh, are in my pile to read. And mm. the other one is a comedian who... Uh, has written books about some of like the crazy things that he's done called Dave Gorman. And yeah. I'm meaning to uh, get in, finally read his book because uh, I've seen the tour he done for it, mm-hmm. but he also wrote a book because of the financial trouble his journey took him on, uh, yeah. where basically it's called Google Hack Adventures. And back in the day when Google wasn't, insanely big mm. and had mil- billions of search results uh, there was this thing called mm. Google Whack where if you put into the search engine two separate words that have no relation and only one result comes up you mm. would get in contact with the person and tell them they're a Google Whack because they're, mm. they're a unique thing and there's certain other to it and they have to be words from the dictionary you can't just make up words or misspell words and Dave Gorman ends up going on this adventure to make a chain of uh, Google Wax that then give him to people that he contacts to then meet Mm. and then he has to get to 10 people in a row Yeah, it sends him almost all over the world trying mm. to um, meet these these people that all have their niche little websites on the internet. And yeah. it's genuinely one of the most hilarious tales. And um, I've been meaning to, to get the book for so long and, and pick it up and read it and enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the tour that he done for it. Yeah, and um, just going back to it, the Divergent series was the ones I was talking about. Okay. Yeah, I was filling up time whilst you had your brain full. <laughs> yeah, I had looked it up in my Google Books. I was wondering if that's what you meant. I haven't read them, but I even had a rough idea. They weren't bad. Hunger Games is better as far as that trilogy-type book series go. Yeah, I think there was a phase where those style of movies based off of books were kind of... An ongoing yeah, theme. Yeah, Hunger Games came out and then everybody wanted to release their Hunger Games, quote-unquote. So all the young adult novels got all uh, swiped up in like 12 seconds. Yeah. Same thing happened after um, uh, Fault in Our Stars. Mm. Yeah. That's why they snapped up more John Green's books and then they also snapped up uh, like every other young adult romance book. Yeah, I think um, young adult romance is kind of hard to to put into movies right without it coming out like a chick flick. Yeah. Well, Fault in Our Stars is definitely like a chick flick, but with a better story. Yeah. I remember when the movie came out, I took one of my best friends. She's one of these hard asses from like the South Bronx. She doesn't take anybody's shit like from anybody. Yeah, I took her to that movie, and at the by the end of the movie, she's sitting there crying, t- telling me I'm an asshole for bringing her to that. 
Lesser. Oh, that movie, I haven't been able to see a single woman that I know of that's watched that without at least tearing up at the end, if not full-on bawling. I haven't watched it controversial much, but I've been meaning to. We'll have to go on Rabbit and do it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man, you're gonna you're you're gonna cry. You're gonna be a blubbering baby I... at the end. See, I don't think I will. I think you will. Because I've watched to some extent similar sort of film. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, that that'll be the challenge. We'll have to have you see the movie and then see <laughs> what happens. Have a don't cry challenge. <laughs> But mine that will always gets me, the movie that always makes me cry with, yeah. no doubt, is a uh, Korean film called Miracles in Cell Number 7. Yeah. Like, if I need to, like, proper ugly cry, I will stick mm -hmm. some of the ending scenes from that on and just bawl my eyes out. What about Homeward Bound, though? No, Homeward Bound didn't make me cry. Yeah, I know a lot of people that made them tear up, too. I know, I don't really cry at movies. Titanic didn't make me cry either. Titanic made me cheer because it was over. <laughs> that fucking yeah. movie was long. I remember when it came out. It came out on, on three VHSs. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Miracles in Cell Number 7. If you want a sad movie to watch that, that really got to me. It's, um... South Korean movie about how uh, this guy is falsely imprisoned for a um, a really horrible crime against a child mm. and he didn't do it and he's got a learning disability so they exploit that and use that to to kind of bully him into prison and not give him much of a choice and then there's like so many arcs of the story, but by the end, he's been put on the death penalty. Mm. And oh my god, those final scenes like, just kill me mood wise. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me feel teary just thinking about it. Cause, uh, oh, and the Green Mile. Yeah, his daughter eventually goes on to be a lawyer to clear his name. Mm. And that's why the whole, that's kind of the narrative of the movie, of these sort of like interdeck. All of these scenes of the past are kind of like her going through her memories of of what her dad went through. Yeah. Did you ever see The Green Mile also? Uh, no. That's another but, one that people cry at. Yeah, I'm awful with movies. I've barely seen any. Well, Green Mile was based on a, if I remember correctly, it was a Stephen King novel, but it's not a horror movie. Oh, yeah. And it was actually, I, I mean, I think Tom Hanks won or was just nominated for the Oscar for that movie. And Michael Clark Duncan. I'm going to look it up real quick. But, uh, yeah, that's another one where people get the uh, tears jerked right out of their uh, head, whether they like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> 96 no serial novel by Stephen King. And then, yep, and it was made into a movie in 99. Yeah, uh, you, you've got to see that one. That's one of the greatest movies in my lifetime. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to make a list of loads of sad movies and just force myself not to cry through them. <laughs> yeah, the other, the only one that makes me tear up now and is not for the reasons that these other movies would is Schindler's List. And that's just because of the fact that it re, re, uh, recounts how our species can be at our most depraved. Yeah. But, uh, man, I just brought that right down, didn't I? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, and on to other things. My, one of my other passions lately has been watching random interviews of Ryan Reynolds or, um, let me think, Ryan Reynolds or Tom Holland with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Have you watched any of that? those videos? Those three are just brilliant. But, yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, but the ones where they literally have Benedict Cumberbatch or or um or Tom Hiddleston sometimes, but it's usually Benedict Cumberbatch having to babysit Tom Holland so he doesn't keep spoiling stuff. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, those are some of my favorites, and then Ryan Reynolds in any interview he ever is in. I know he's just a genius. Just He's the most sincere, sarcastic fuck in the planet. Yep. He's, um, but he's also Canadian, so he feels bad about it afterwards. Yeah, he done um the Radio 1 interview where it was all mm-hmm. little kids asking him questions, and that just made my day when I saw that. Yeah. And to he called the interviewers, the, the interviewers, the, the corralling ones, we'll say, or the beginning and ending ones, the... Uh, you pricks. <laughs> that was my favorite response to any of that stuff. To see immediately caught on, got in with the gig and then uh, the gimmick and then turned it back on him. Yeah. Yeah. He, let me think. He, uh, Chris Evans, and Robert Downey Jr., I'd love to just see, see them in a room and have to just talk for like an hour and a half. Because yeah. the amount of sarcasm, yet sincerity, yet politeness that going between the three of them would be ridiculous. Yeah, that would be a good vibe to see. Yeah, because let's face it, RDJ is, even if they're not everybody's favorite person in the MCU, they're still one of the ones he, they like the most. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that. As someone that's barely watched any of the movies. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm going to go see uh, tomorrow, probably. I'm going to the movies to go see John Wick 3, finally. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know another movie we could play for you that's out in the theaters right now. Um, A Dog's Journey. Oh, yeah. That's another one of those tear-inducing animal films. See... It doesn't get to me. See, that shit all started when I was a kid, though, those type of films, because when I was a kid, there was Benji. Oh, yeah. Yep, and before that was Lassie, but that was before my time. I'm not that old. <laughs> Except for when they did redid Lassie in, like, 93, 94, something like that. I don't remember. My mom loved It was, like, a modern-day one. Yeah, my mom's obsessed with them. But I don't think yeah, I they still they still have the same dog line. All those are um, 
daughters or sons to the uh, original Lassie. Yeah. Well, I should say granddaughters or grandsons, whatever. I think they're up to like the 14th generation. If I remember correctly. And it, and it was still the same trainers, but I think one of them passed away. Because it's the Weather Waxes, if I remember correctly. And I don't know why I'm remembering that, but that's the name that comes to mind when I used to watch Nick at Night when I was a kid. Let's see. Just trying to find the data here. Okay, so no, it's not the original trainers anymore. It's the children's children of them. But yeah, it's the same dog line for it doesn't tell me how many generations. But Lassie and then Ben. Sorry about that. Actually, I had a technical hiccup there for a sec. But yeah, that that uh that whole thing is where all those tear jerking animal movies came from. That's where you got Lassie, then Benji, then Homeward Bound, and now the current ones. Yeah, I loved Homeward Bound back in the day. Oh, everybody did, especially with Michael J. Fox as the uh. I just blanked on that dog's name. Yeah, I remember it being a. What his name was? Chance Sassy. Damn. I know anybody who's listening to this is probably screaming at their speaker right now. Yeah, I know anybody who's listening is going to definitely be screaming at their speaker at the moment. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I have no idea. I just can't remember now. I'm going to have to Google it. The brain farts are in full effect right now. <laughs> chance. No. Chance. Yep. I said chance. I said yeah, chance and chance. Yeah, I remembered. Uh, Chance, Shadow, and Sassy. Oh, Shadow's the older one. Chance was the one that I was thinking about, Michael J. Fox. Okay. That's what I screwed up. Shadow's name. Um, yeah, that's along that whole line. Just like um, they have the freaking Fast and the Furious or the car movie wannabes out every few years where they come out with a batch of them and then they all fade away again. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up here, Kai? Honestly, I think we've gone on so many tangents that I've lost all thoughts. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. As always, you can find us at anchor.fm slash board as hell, or you can support us at anchor.fm slash board as hell slash support. Um, thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to us on the new Twitter. Or you can always also message on the Instagram, which is usually manned by Kai. All right. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you next time.